This is Jonathan Armstrong from Cordray here in London, and thanks for joining us for this week's Tech Law 10 podcast. With me is Eric Sinrod, who's over in rainy California, compared, of course, to sunny London today. And Eric, you've been thinking of statistics this week. Yes, here I am, Mr. Number Cruncher. Who would have ever thought? <laughs> uh, thank you, Jonathan. Yes, this is Erickson from Dwayne Morris. And it is indeed raining. So what's happening to the climate? We've been getting all sorts of rain. But let's talk. Hey, why don't we talk about the Internet, Jonathan? We never do that, do we? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's sort of talk about, and let's put in perspective the tremendous growth of the Internet. But then I also want to talk about some other, other issues that might cause us a bit of concern. So, you know, it took 75 years uh, for um, telephones to be used by 50 million users, okay, 75 years. But Pokemon Go was adopted by 50 million users in only 19 days. 19 days compared to 75 years. So what does that tell you? The first Internet website, Jonathan, was set up 28 years ago. And now, just 28 years later, there are 47 billion websites. Okay, that's quite a bit of growth. Um, 47% of the global population is online, meaning there are 3.58 billion Internet users. Now, television remains popular with 1.59 billion households worldwide having a TV set, but that's already been surpassed by the more than 2 billion people who gain access to the Internet while using a handheld device. How about emails? There will be 269 billion emails sent and received in 2017. 269 billion. Unfortunately, Jonathan, as I'm sure you know, a whopping 86% of these emails will be spam, unsolicited commercial email, and perhaps they'll be trapped in your spam filter so you won't be too bothered. Now, how about photographs? Since the advent of the camera 174 years ago, um, 3.5 trillion photos were taken through 2016, 3.5 trillion. But with the growing dominance of camera-ready phones, 1.2 trillion will be taken just this year in 2017. So basically one-third of all pictures ever taken in the history of photography will be taken this year. Um, There are more than 1 billion users of YouTube reeling in one-third of everybody on the Internet. And these viewers consume 6 billion hours of video monthly. And apparently, I'm I'm told, that's the equivalent of 68,000 years of watching the top 10 music videos of 2015. Now, who figures that out? I do not know. Now, while YouTube accounts for 18% of online bandwidth, Netflix doubles that, accounting for 36% of bandwidth during peak hours, Uh, And all Internet streaming consumes 70% of worldwide web bandwidth. Um, Almost done with this part of my discussion. Facebook, the largest nation in the world by population headcount, has 1.86 billion users and growing. And an astronomical 80% of Internet users are on Facebook, with Instagram coming in second with 32% of users. And then one more thing here before I shift gears. Uh, In 2016, 9 billion apps were downloaded on iOS and Android mobile devices, and Google and Facebook apps comprised 
90% of mobile apps used daily. So that tells you the incredible traction and growth of the Internet. And if you like, Jonathan, I can pause here because what I want to talk about next uh, is the extent of Internet freedom and security uh, across countries on the Internet. But let me just pause for a second before going there and ask if you have any comments on what I've said so far, or should I complete and round out um, my yeah, podcast? Pr proceed, and then, because then, I, I think I have something that might tie both themes together, so proceed. Okay, so when it comes to um, Internet freedom and security, um, there's some measurements on this. But long story short, uh, the United States is ranked as relatively free in terms of its communications on the Internet and censorship. Um, but it's not the most free. Uh, interestingly, those countries uh, that are ranked uh, essentially the most free are Iceland and Estonia, with Canada next, and then the U.S., then Germany, then Australia, then Japan, and of course, important to you, UK, South Africa, and Italy. Um, the countries that rank poorest when it comes to internet freedom at the top is China, then Iran, then Syria, then Ethiopia, Cuba, Uzbekistan, Vietnam, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and Pakistan. Um, now while, of course, I focus on the US, while the US offers a fair degree of freedom, that freedom does not necessarily translate to online security. Uh, for example, an incredible 66% of global uh, application attacks had U.S. targets, with Germany and Brazil next, way behind, um, with only 5% of such attacks. Uh, along the same lines, the U.S. by far and away is the country most affected by cyber espionage. The U.S. had the highest rate of such espionage at 54%, with South Korea next at only 4%. Uh, and the United States is not as pure as the white driven snow when it comes to sources of global denial of service attacks. That means coming from our country, the, D the DDoS attacks. Um, yeah. Indeed, the second highest percentage of such attacks, 21.59% uh, originate uh, from the U.S. And China's not far ahead in terms of being the highest source at 29%. And the third worst offender is the U.K., my friend, uh, at 16 0.17%. So that's sort of my uh, tour de force of statistics, quite a lot to pack in to one podcast. But I know, Jonathan, somehow you'll put uh, a nice polished spin on this that we can understand. Yeah, um, I, I think the, the, the DDoS attacks thing is interesting. And I've spoken to people about those stats before who know about such things. And I know that they've said, you know, not just a pinch, but a bucket of salt must be taken with those stats. Why? Because, of course, most DDoS attacks aren't made from the attacker's own computer. It's normally, uh, an, uh, they've normally compromised somebody else's system to make the attacks. So whilst you can trace it back to the computer or the location that made the attack, that doesn't mean that's the attacker. So obviously the U.S. figures higher in DDoS attacks because it's got more active IP addresses. So it's easier for somebody sure. to use a, a U.S. address. I, I take that slightly with, with at least a pinch of salt. But I think that um, there is an interesting tie between these two, uh, you know, topics, if you like, with the unfortunate events in London this week. And we can't. I guess, go much further without recognizing the 
the sad uh, events, uh, the terrible events in London this week and the bravery of the uh, law enforcement and those other you know, people just on the street, like the leader of the BMA Junior Doctors Committee, who ran out of a press interview to offer life-saving treatment to people on the bridge. And they're somehow connected, I think, because the reason that the UK features low-ish down in the Internet Freedoms Table is because of the uh, IP Act, which we've talked about previously on these podcasts, and Theresa May's obsession, some might say, with gathering data online to prevent terrorism. And there's been an interesting uh, germ of a debate here, I think, after the Westminster attacks. The police are currently sifting through uh, thousands of hours of mobile phone footage. As you might know, the uh, attacks only obviously took place this week, but already three and a half thousand witnesses have been interviewed by the police, in part through social media, making those people easier to locate, and in part because the Metropolitan Police, to their credit, opened up effectively a um, almost like a social media service of their own for people to upload their images, phone pictures, etc., of the attacks, which have helped the police not only to work out what happened, but also to identify uh, victims, etc., uh, etc. Et so uh, I think in some respects those two themes uh, are tied up here, and I'm sure that we will see that this prevalence of the use of photographs and films on mobile phones, as well as being a source for ill with all of those stories that we've covered, you know, over the last 190-something episodes about um, the effects of teenagers and cyberbullying and cyber extortion and all of that sort of thing. But it also has a benefit as well. Social media can be a witness to the vilest acts, but it can also assist law enforcement in helping the perpetrators of those violent acts be brought to justice and those who've assisted the perpetrators being brought to justice as well. So I think that, you know, you've got some incredible statistics there, Eric, and I think we've also had a an example this week of the of the very best of humanity and the very worst, but also the role of technology uh, in, in um, helping ameliorate or at least explain some of these horrendous acts. Was that, yeah. was that too deep a conclusion? No, no, that was very well said, and I, I'm glad you uh, brought up the, the tragic event that took place in London uh, this week, and of course our hearts go out, and I having lived in London myself and spent time in that exact spot. Um, it's very relatable. And, you know, hopefully by uh, getting, you know, to the larger topic, hopefully we know the Internet has grown. Uh, it's here to stay. It's only going to grow more. Hopefully it will be used for beneficial purposes, as it can be, um, with ample freedom provided to 
but we know also it can be used maliciously. Um, and maybe that goes back to human nature. But hopefully good, <laughs> good will prevail over not so good. Uh, so in any event, uh, this has been yeah, your... We should also, sorry, Eric, we should just also, of course, uh, it, it, obviously with the London attack, we should also uh, honor the memory of Kurt Cochran, the uh, U.S. tourist who was murdered uh, as well and, and had lived an outstanding life uh, supporting... Uh, particularly young musicians in Utah for what we've heard as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. So this has been Tech Law 10, podcast number 196. So we're only several away from the big bicentennial, so hopefully Jonathan and I will think of something magnificent and tremendous and huge for <laughs> Tech Law 10 200. We, by the way, we, we avoided the T word this entire uh, podcast. We Pretty did. good, right? <laughs> let's keep let's, let's let's not say it. Let's not say it. All right. So this is Eric Sinrod at Dwayne Morris. You can find me at ejsinrod at dwaynemorris.com. You can uh, access these podcasts at the usual social media outlets. Jonathan, bring it home. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Armstrong. So Jonathan Armstrong at cordycompliance.com. We do love your feedback. Incidentally, Eric, that did remind me that one of the pieces of feedback I've had is uh, along the lines of very supportive of your comments on the tea person, uh, very much like them, but, uh, but was glad that we'd moved on a little from, from what they <laughs> said was a tea obsession. So perhaps that is uh, a, a lesson for us. So we do like your feedback. Uh, good, bad, constructive, or otherwise, you can provide that via email, via Twitter, via LinkedIn. And we do have a LinkedIn page where we post some additional materials from time to time. We will put Eric's uh, stats up there as well if you were trying hastily to scribble them down as you were listening. All that remains is to thank you for joining us, and we look forward to speaking to you again in a week or so. Thank you. Cheers. 